0: It's time for Bring Your Own Lunch, a podcast for your whole face with your host, Dave T. Koenig. All right, come on in. Have a seat. Welcome. This is the Bring Your Own Lunch podcast at bringyourownlunch.com, the magic of iTunes, the majesty of Stitcher, and however else you found your way to this program. As you heard at the top, my name is Dave T. Koenig. I'm an actor, writer, director, producer, comedian, swell dude, and uh, the host of the podcast you're listening to right now, BYOL, and I appreciate the fact that you did, whether or not you are finding this for the first time, or you are uh, somebody who has been with us from the beginning, I don't care, I'm just glad you are here, and I really have been appreciating all of the support and the uh, spreading the word that's been done so far. And as we build this uh, thing into something a little bit bigger, I'm glad you're along for the ride. My guest this week is Sean Cannon. He's a friend of mine and fellow working actor who has pulled off a pretty neat trick. Um, As you may know, actors uh, sometimes have what they call survival jobs. Those are jobs that you do outside of acting to help pay the bills. One of the biggest challenges of this career is that you don't know necessarily that you are going to make enough money to pay the bills. And for the vast majority of people who try this as a career, they never do. So for many, you have to find alternate ways to uh, bring in income. And some get those typical survival jobs like the cliche uh, waiter job that an actor might get. And they, the the reason that a lot of actors end up being waiters uh is that uh the work is usually at night if you are a wait person, uh, and that doesn't conflict with stuff during the day where a lot of auditions happen. So that's why you see that. And um usually those jobs are kind of along those lines, like a wait uh wait person or working in a store or something like that. Something that's fairly easy uh, and doesn't require a lot of focus or or uh, attention, uh, you could do it, do your job, move on. Uh, and that's what most people consider to be a survival job. Sean, on the other hand, has not only developed himself into a very, 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 very good actor and voiceover artist especially, he is also the co-owner and co-founder of Hyperbolic Audio, which is a major recording studio in New York City. They do a ton of work with television and film and commercials, and uh, basically they provide the studios and the equipment for productions to use to record whatever audio they might need for that project. And uh, they work with some major, major, major clients. Uh, Sean will tell us all about that. Uh, during our interview, so he's got this career as uh, this voiceover artist. He's worked on uh, the Smurfs films and and a ton of other projects. And uh, actually, he's got a couple big ones coming up. Uh, again, part of the interview, so so listen to him tell you it's better than him than me. But he's also. A very, very busy guy running and owning and 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 co-founding this studio that has a great little start. uh, And the story of it becoming this big studio is really, really impressive. So I'm really happy to have Sean on. And given the fact that he has these dual careers that are equally fascinating, uh, it ended up being the very first two part interview I do on this podcast. So uh, week one uh, is uh, this week. Uh, we'll We'll play the first half of the interview with Sean, and then next week we will play the other half and the beginning uh, of his career is covered in the first half and some other stuff that we get into we we actually cover a lot of ground in these interviews and it 's all very fun and entertaining and sean 's really cool to listen to and then his more recent stuff will be next week uh, and all of it all of it I, I I think ended up being a very fun conversation and uh He's uh, got a lot of uh, experience and he's got a lot of uh, knowledge that he passes along throughout the two hours that we sat together. So uh, I think this—I uh, think you'll find this one to be a really good one. As for me, work-wise, uh, this past Friday night, uh, I had the uh, great honor and pleasure to play a role on the show Alpha House. And if you're not familiar with Alpha House, it's a show that's available exclusively through Amazon Prime. It's sort of like uh, how Netflix has their uh, exclusive shows like Orange is the New Black or or uh, House of Cards. Uh, Alpha House is one of Amazon Prime's exclusive properties. It's a show that stars John Goodman and uh, Mark Consuelos and Clark Johnson and Matt Malloy uh, and, uh, and a host of others. Haley Joel Osment is in it and, um, and uh, one of my favorite, Amy Sedaris, she's also – Uh, I got one of the regular characters in that one too, and if you're a fan of House of Cards on Netflix, this is sort of the comedic uh, counterpoint to uh, House of Cards, so I was able to play a part on Alpha House the other night. Uh, It was an overnight shoot. It was a lot of uh, fun. It was directed by Andrew McCarthy, who you might remember from uh, Pretty in Pink, and... uh, being a member of the Rat Pack and St. Elmo's fire and things like that. Now he's got a fairly successful career as a director and he was super nice. Uh, There was a lot of moving parts. Uh, This is kind of the first time I've been involved in a production where as somebody who is uh, what they call a principal actor, I was surrounded by uh, what they call background actors. So just to explain the the hierarchy of a set um, in television, let's say, uh, you have your series regulars. Those are the stars of the show. Then you have the people who were there uh, as recurring characters. They may pop in and out. Uh, then then you have your guest stars. Uh, they have bigger parts in the show, but they are not necessarily uh, regulars in the cast. And then you have co-stars. Uh, which uh, have uh, a smaller part to play in it, and then you have background actors, and that's pretty much the definition of each of those uh, how, how those roles are defined. Uh, I particularly was playing uh, a character who was a constituent of a senator who um, is a Tea Party member and and very much a gun supporter. Um, so I was uh, supporting her, and uh, my my role was considered a co-star. Uh, all those roles are defined by, uh, our union status. So, uh, I might say I was co- I co-starred in alpha house, but it's really just a distinction. That's, uh, uh more paperwork than anything else. And, uh, kind of tells them how much, uh, uh how I, your, your, your pay for the, for the show is determined by the status of the role you play. I'm going to take some water. Ah, Foley. Anyway. So I played the constituent and uh, like I said, there was a lot of moving parts. It was a very, it was, we were in a, uh, uh, a office uh, or a building uh, in, in New York uh, posing as Washington DC. And there were tons of background actors. Now background actors are really important to any scene. They set the template for where we are They They provide substance to the, the situation and, and the scene Uh, Without that, you're playing in an empty room with just a couple of actors. But when you add in the background actors, it looks like it all comes to life. And it's not like they just go somewhere where there's a lot of people and they just shoot the actors in front of them. Uh, They hire each and every one of those uh, background actors, and they give them very specific things to do. And they do it. And a lot of them work really, really hard. And, and, And the ones I worked with were super, super nice. And I give them a ton of credit because it can be a very difficult job. Uh, I didn't do anything that, all that differently from what a background actor would do, but I was, uh, treated a little bit differently because I was, I had the co-star, uh, distinction to my job and background actors, um, they, they put in a lot of hard hours, uh, and they don't get quite the same perks that you do when you're there as a principal actor. Um, so I give them a ton of credit. Now, having said that, I, uh, did notice there was there was one guy and and part of the thing of having a podcast is sort of I get a little bit of a soapbox and I don't want to get too crazy with it, but it's a chance for me to sort of educate anybody who's listening to this who is a new actor and who may take a background role on a show or a film, and or or in a commercial for that matter, and and it's a chance to kind of tell you hey hey don't be like this guy because. While they have a very hard job to do and they aren't necessarily treated uh, like superstars when they're there, uh, to put it lightly, they are there to do a job. (sighs) More water. They are there to do a job and they are there to, um, uh, you know, they get paid. Uh, So and you never know where it's going to go. So you may end up being a principal, even if you show up to be background, because they need somebody to say a line here or there, and you fit the part. And right there and there is the best place to grab somebody instead of uh, going to call and 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 see if somebody knows somebody who can come and show up on set at moment's notice. They will pull from the collection of background actors. So going there, it's best to be professional no matter what job you have. And like I said, we had an overnight shoot in this uh in this uh, government building in New York downtown, and there was one guy who was a background actor. He he was dressed. Uh, my guess is that he was playing a background senator or a congressman or something like that. And this 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 scene was filled with people who looked exactly like politicians. It was pretty impressive work by whoever cast the background people. Uh, they looked amazing. I, I could swear Lloyd Benson was one of the background actors, but I digress. There was one guy there who just looked like he had no interest in being there. And there's a lot of sitting and waiting. I mean, the, the business of making movies and TV, a lot of sit around and waiting, you know, that's, that's what we do a lot of the time. But when you're on set, you got to be there, you got to be present, you got to be ready to go. And everybody was ready to go, but here was this guy wandering around behind me on his phone and this wasn't, like, a little conversation. This wasn't like, yeah, no, no, we we're going to be here late. Goodbye. Uh, this was like, this guy was on phone with a guy who he was best friends with when he was 12. And suddenly reconnected with right then and there. At this uh, shoot in this government building for a television show. And he's, like, whooping it up. And he's, like, walking away from where everybody is on the phone. He's like gesticulating with his arms and he's, I I just didn't get it. And, and to top it all off, when this was happening, it was one in the morning. Who was he even talking to at one in the morning? What are you, what, 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 why can't you have that conversation tomorrow? So my, my suggestion to you is no matter what role you have on any production, have fun, enjoy it, live it up, learn as much as you can, but be professional Be ready to go. Don't delay things. Don't make it harder for anybody else. And you just never know. You know, there's people I met who I thought were really cool in a variety of different roles when I did that uh, show the other night. And who knows? You know, maybe I'll be in a position to hire somebody someday. But if I see that dude, you know, in his headshot someday, I want to be like, yeah, that was the dude who just wouldn't shut up on the phone when we did Alpha house. And you know what? I wouldn't hire that guy. Don't you want to be the guy they want to hire? Or, or woman? Or, or dog? That's how I see it. I want to make sure we say thank you to a lot of people. Um, of course, Banuba, providing the music for BYOL. Go to Banuba.net. Find out where they will be. they they got some gigs coming up. Check that out. and uh, You can also download their music. Uh, the New York Short Film Shootout. Uh, we do have a new website, N-Y-S-F-S-O. That's short for New York Short Film Shootout, if you're not good with acronyms. Uh, you can go to NYSFSO.com, Find out when our next event will be, but I'll tell you right now. It's August 25th, Monday night, 8 p.m. We're going to show another list of fine films. Right now, we're uh, in the open submission process. So if you have a film and uh, you're not listening to this in 2016, you can send your submission to submissions at N-Y-S-F-S-O. N-F-O, no, N-Y-S-F-S-O, I have to get used to the acronym, NYSFSO.com. submissions at NYSFSO.com. there it is, and if you have a film that's 15 minutes or less, we will take a look, and uh, it may be part of the next short film shootout, so good luck to you, and this theater will be the host, uh, thistheater.com, and again, they're going to have a new name sometime soon, uh, I, I don't know the latest on that, but go to thistheater.com, and it'll tell you where... Uh, that is so support that theater. And, uh, I just heard the other day that my good friend, Anthony kingdom, James Rutgazer. Um, he actually has more names than any human being, uh, really needs right now. Anthony, uh, slash kingdom. I always call him kingdom because I met him when I was involved in the pro wrestling industry. And, uh, he's uh, from Toronto and he's a Renaissance man in many ways. Uh, he was a pro wrestler, pro wrestling promoter, promoter, um, a strip Club DJ, uh, he has recently written a new comic book called The First Hero that has uh, uh, been released through Action Lab. Um, and there's he's gotten some really good write-ups for it. Uh, do check that out. But he's got his podcast coming back, The Handsome Genius Club Radio Show, hosted by Anthony Rutgazer, a.k.a. Kingdom James. That's coming back. His first guest uh, out of the box with his return is, uh, is uh, pro wrestler Michael Elgin. Uh, who is the uh, ROH World Heavyweight Champion, so not too bad there. Uh, But check him out. Go to uh, handsomegeniusclub.com, and uh, he will be uploading very, 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 very soon. All right, let's get into our interview with Sean Cannon, Part 1, and hear how he... He's Batman. The idea that you now have in front of me a, a platter... Nice. ...with... Crackers and some cheese and some salami and grapes really puts this exact podcast in a new stratosphere, man. Well,
1: I'll tell you, it's as weird for me as it is for you because I am one of those people who, um, as I experience life, yeah, uh, it still amazes me. Like I was just in Times Square getting uh, uh, Nucha's uh, empanada, as I was saying, and as I was walking through Times Square, just the people and the lights and the like the advertising and the Blade Runner esque, uh, uh, you know, like, yeah, like yeah, scenery yeah, yeah. still amazes me. And I've lived here for, you know, 22, 23 years. It still is something that I am just flabbergasted by. Like, I mean, I'm originally from Indiana, so it's like, you know, I just, i it, it I'm is amazed that
0: you, I live here. I, I don't like blame this. you. And, and, and sincerely, I hope on some level we never lose that sort of you know, childlike wonder at what's going on around us because what's going on around us is incredible.
1: It's kind of amazing.
0: I mean, we just... We can just zap anything we want to our phones at a moment's notice, and there is no delay.
1: That's insanity. It's so nuts. I did a FaceTime call with my parents, and years ago I did... um, uh, I'm a huge Disney fan from being a kid and um, and, uh, going to Epcot Center. And when you go through... Uh, spaceship earth Mm-hmm. Uh there's this kind of sort of fantastic sort of family that sort of guides you, or maybe it's the journey to the future. Who knows? The the, <laughs> the thing on the
0: rotunda where the yeah, the, the audience goes around but the but the stage is, is
1: Yeah, like and, and also and, and the the family's talking about the future and like yeah, what yeah, the yeah. future will bring. We and, just went there like, last year, so things. yeah, it's yeah, totally it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's this fantastic area where like, you know, everything smells like oranges because you're in an orange grove. Right. And like there's <laughs> there's kids talking to grandparents, and the grandparents have been narrating the whole thing and they're on This video phone, and this is back in the '80s. So of course, like it was like video phone. What? Yeah, you're crazy. (laughs) No (laughs) one will ever do that. Impossible. (laughs) And like yet, like I was doing a video with like my kids and my grand and my parents. You know, like on my iPhone that's in my pocket. Yeah,
0: it makes it makes all the imagination stuff that so many people had in the '80s just seem ridiculous. It's funny you mention that because the other night I watched Running Man, and Running Man probably is. The least accurate vision of the future ever. (laughs) Because there's nothing futuristic in Running Man that actually looks like it belongs in the future that we know now. Right, right. It's like they went backwards.
1: (laughs) It's almost like back to the future version of the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015 hoverboards. Um, I'm fully expecting that to happen, by the way. At some point, I think that's going to be a thing.
0: No, what I'm pretty sure we're not going to have is uh, time travel. Because my theory is Man, if, if time travel exists, we would know it by now because you would think of, lot of time on a nonlinear basis. Right. It's all happening at the same time. And therefore, uh, what's happening 3,000 years in the future, let's say they invent it's time travel, is basically now. And if uh, they do, in fact, make time travel in the year, 3,000 years from now, right, it will most likely exist from that point forward unless somehow civilization gets wiped out. Sure sure. So the idea that everybody from that point forward should never ever 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 use it to come back to now is
1: impossible to imagine. No, of course, uh, there was there was actually a, a, an article, uh, I think in the Huffington Post or something because they have the best articles, uh both for like really real news and crap. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's throw them a plug, what the hell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they but they um they had this thing about uh, CERN Something about, you know, the, the hydro collider or the... the oh, the old. The, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah hydron yeah. collider in, in CERN. Yeah. Uh, if time travel was going to happen into the past, that was going to be the, the moment that it was going to be possible. So we were all going to find out at that point, if time travel is possible. So That's once they so turn weird. that thing on, when they flip the switch, it's like, uh, uh, no. Yeah, time travel's not happening, sorry. <laughs> sorry.
0: That seems like a movie. <laughs> right, exactly. That seems like a movie where it's like, this is the moment where we find out if time travel's gonna happen. Nah,
1: no. you know, it didn't happen. We built the time travel device, but it didn't do And it anyway. if
0: it was a modern American movie, it would be like, in the last 15 minutes, there would be time travel, right? and everybody <laughs> would be happy. And Arnold Schwarzenegger would be there, and, and everybody. And in, in very time tight-fitting clothing (laughs)
1: exactly he's naked
0: yeah um so uh sean Mm -hmm. hi
1: hi hello
0: (laughs) i i I love those starts that don't actually have a start and we just yeah it's more fun that way i think yeah but i do want i I do want to like properly introduce you but you 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 have uh a couple of you're you're sort of like batman in that you have Uh, a couple of personas (laughs) and and a ward and and a ward, yeah. Is a, that youth, ward. a youthful ward <laughs> a you- <laughs> who you make wear panties in public. Well, you know, and I just keep them in the corner of my And office. winged boots. <laughs> so many wrong impressions of me mm, in mm. one moment. Yeah, let's destroy your whole <laughs> reputation as quickly as possible. No, so so alright. So if you look you up on IMDB, your name is
1: Sean Kennan.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. Now uh, we're we're sitting at at the, in one of the studios and uh, at hyperbolic hyper, hyper hyperbolic audio, very well. <laughs> yeah, that's i a professional. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and if you go on your website uh, and 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 tell me if I'm I'm off base here, uh, the name that people might find you as there is is Sean Elias Reyes. All right, so let's talk about that. is, is it is it, okay, is it cool if we talk about that? Absolutely, 100. percent Okay, good. Uh, because it's fascinating to me <clears throat> that professionally. You have gotten to a point in your career where you have an established name in two sort of different facets of the same industry under two different names. Right. How, what, tell, tell tell me what that's all about.
1: M- well, mild-mannered Sean at least, <laughs> uh, is a reporter for the Daily uh, Bugle. No, uh, he – so, um, you know, ultimately, uh, my father is from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up in Indiana and I don't speak a word of English. And because my mother is you Irish, you, you didn't every, speak a word of English. I mean, not a word. Of oh, English. Okay. I was like, wow, man, you're, that's <laughs> a, that's a story. And my accent is impeccable. No, uh, <laughs> sorry. Not a word of Spanish. <laughs> okay. I, I don't speak a word of Spanish. And because my mother is everything white, uh-huh. um, we never spoke Spanish in the home. And so you have, uh, You know, a kid who was brought up in the Midwest who has this incredibly Hispanic last name... Yeah. ...coming to New York and, you know, trying to make it. And everybody wants to cast you as either the doorman or the Mm -hmm. busboy or the... You know, and basically they would see the last name and they would cast me as these Hispanic characters. And then so... Uh, Fast forward to, you know, 2001 and I meet what who is to be my future wife and we get engaged and I say, hey, listen, do you mind the idea of me using your last name as my stage name? And so her her name was Rohana Kennan. And, uh, and I assume still is, right? It's still. Well, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's actually. Well, oh, Actually, no, you guys traded. No, yeah, we yeah. traded. Um, but she uses Kenan professionally because okay. now I have somewhat of a reputation, I guess. Fair professionally.. Enough, yeah. And so, um, so the whole family actually, because my kids and we can talk about this later, but my kids also do voiceover and acting. And so they are also Kenan as well.
0: And Which is, <laughs> it's very cool. I
1: mean, so, it's very unique. So, and it's great. And But it also satisfies that sort of, like, Superman, sort of Clark Kent thing. Yeah, yeah. Of, of being, uh, I always felt like I needed a plosive or a fricative in my name. I know, I totally understand, because I have the T in my name. Right. And it's like, I needed that. Yeah, Or else exactly. you get too many A A A A. T. Koenig. Yeah, Koenig, exactly. And, like, for me, it was Sean Elias Reyes. And it sounds very nice. Rolling off the tongue. But when... But uh, you know, like in a world of Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise, and yeah, like all these, like yeah. you know, like and that's names. what we grew up with. Exactly, you know, we
0: were we were kind of told if you're going to be a star, you
1: got to have a star a name, A star name, exactly, and a good
0: American star name, <laughs> exactly, John it's,
1: Wayne. And so I meet this, uh, uh, meet my wife, and she's Jewish, and uh, they've got the, she's got this, like basically. Uh, I'm sure back in the old world, the name was something completely different, mm-hmm. but it got anglicized as Kenan, which okay. sounds very Irish. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it, the funniest thing was uh, the, the first week that I decided to use this last name, uh, I went to. Uh, Uh, an an actor's seminar Mm -hmm. at one of these uh, you know actors places that you go to uh, to meet agents and casting directors and really you know hope that somebody will hire you And and they said okay up next is Sean Kennan and these casting directors and agents go, Sean Kennan. Ooh, Sean Kennan. I like that name, <laughs> Sean Kennan. And it just stuck. At that point, I was like, okay, well, obviously, this is the name. That was a good this choice. Is, this is the one that actually works for me. Yeah, because they weren't like, get out. You
0: Kennan? Know? <laughs>
1: <Cannon, laughs> no. Ridiculous. And we don't like your kind here.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Where, where's your wife's uh, uh, relative or... or, or... Her her family, family background goes Eastern,
1: to Eastern Eastern European uh, and Russian Jewish basically. So it's,
0: it's Canon, when it's or whatever it started as, what read I mean, is there a specific country or region that no, that might have I, come I, from?
1: I, it, ultimately, I think it's uh, I think it's Russian Russian and Eastern European, and it got anglicized. Okay, so it might have been a Khanan or or something. Oh, I see what you Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's and so basically it, it became this anglicized sort of thing, and everybody mistakes it as as Irish, and um. And all the better. I mean, I have this Irish first name and incredibly Latin last name. So when I put the Irish sounding last name with the first name, it just kind of worked. Yeah. And and it's funny because, you know, there are some people who change their names um, who just feel very weird about it. mm -hmm. Right. Um, I I couldn't have done it. I mean, I I had to add the T, but I, I couldn't.
0: I, I, I tried in college I was on the on, on college radio right and I gave it a shot. I tried a lot of different types of names right besides my own and I just never felt right
1: right right yeah, yeah and 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 I think in some respects for me <clears throat> uh, you know, I like having uh, a secret identity. I'm a yeah. huge I'm a huge comic book fan. I, I am I am kind of a, a geeky guy mm-hmm. and uh, and I you know, it's funny because that's actually not weird to actually nowadays, you know, it makes you cool. It's actually exactly, I'm so mad about it's that. It's the opposite of you know, of being, you know, a counterculture anymore.
0: I tried so hard to hide my comic book fandom <laughs> when I was young. Because I don't want to get beat up now. Exactly now. It's like it's, if you don't know who uh, Batman's
1: third Robin was, you know like you're getting nerd. beat up. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, exactly. Get him after school. You're mine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, it's uh it, it's funny, um, but yeah, it really satisfies that sort of ability to. You know, I'm someone at home, and I'm someone at work, and then when I go out as an actor, I'm somebody else, and and that's okay with me. I actually kind of dig it. And, uh, and some people, you know, some people have a, a very, like, strong attachment to their given name. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, 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 there's an honor, there's a, there's a pride that comes with, like, being who they are. And, mm-hmm. I, and I feel like that pride comes out with me, with my family, with, sure, my, sure. with my friends. Um, and, and this, this persona, this, this name that I have in the business... Is is me, is is like my expression of of, of who I am, right? It's like it's the the character that I play, I guess, in some respects, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, we we can't ever get too attached to our names anyway. Like how many times have you uh, been in some sort of production and they'll refer to you by your character name? Almost as if your real name no
1: longer exists. No, exactly. So exactly. we just get
0: used to it anyway.
1: And and did you have to add the T because there's a, a, another David Koenig somewhere? Yeah, in the business? yeah. That's that's the major reason I did. So so in some respects, it's like you know, I mean, it's a brand. Uh, yes. when, once you enter this business, you become a brand. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like I didn't want to, I didn't want my family name to be a brand. I wanted to brand myself in some in some respect. And that so, makes total sense. You know, and and the really funny thing is that my wife has a cousin out in LA Dylan Kennan mm. who is an actor out there and so when we when we were when I was doing like you know under fives on Law and Order and he was doing under fives on 24 I was like we're like a low rent Baldwin family <laughs> it's like look at us <laughs> it's like who the Kennans although of the- these days <laughs>
0: right. you guys probably get more work than that's the possible. average
1: Baldwin uh- Baldwin yeah, Baldwin, yeah. and that's not even their name <laughs> I know exactly yeah. again it's and, and the big the- Businesses rife with it. I, you know, in, in some respects, I, I, um, I, I appreciate people who who decide to keep their their given name. But you know, it's like I, I like that I kind of yeah. came up with this thing. You
0: I know? did. I did sort of struggle, and and you know, had I thought, had had, I had more forethought, and I could have done what you did, because uh, my wife's last name is Hughes. Oh. and it would have been almost exactly the same because it's a very Irish name, and it's it's, sure. it's you know, and and. You know, I wouldn't have nearly as much butchering of my name as I tend to right. because
1: people say Koenig a lot Koenig, as I did. Yeah, the, the yeah, the and podcast. it's it's my and whole I life. Heard my Nigg whole twice. life.
0: That's right. You're the mo- <laughs> you you are my audience for the podcast, <laughs> and but that's my life. I mean, right. that's I, I could I could say it 15 times to somebody and they'll still in their head see that O E and oh, go man. co. Yeah. And I understand. I get it. And yeah. and. I guess I try to turn into a positive by just making it part of a conversation and maybe they'll remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, dwell on it too much. Is, is the is T like a, a middle name or is it a, yeah, is no. a... No, no, whenever anybody asks me, I always say That's it awesome. stands for the, <laughs> because my, 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 my yeah, my, my, my natural born middle initial is A. Okay. And it's Dave... Koenig, and I thought if it was A, it would just David, be too Koenig, many right. vowel A sounds. Dave, A, K, nang, nang, nang. And I'm like, it work for Craig T. Nelson. <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm going to use the T. <laughs> Budding young actors, get a plosive or a fricative in your yeah, name. Yeah, Even if you just got to, like, put it in the middle, jam it in the middle of somewhere. Like, yeah. of the word dug, just call yourself de tug tug <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and if you don't
0: know what a fricative or a plosive <laughs> is, that's probably good uh, starting point for your budding voiceover career. Right, exactly. All yeah. right, so I want—I mean, I, I do want to talk about your start mm. in Indiana, but um, oh God, just geez. to explain to people, uh, <clears throat> hyperbolic—you—you um, right. you are as uh, an actor, and and you all—you have got a great career going in voiceovers. Let's hope so. Uh, I would say so and we'll talk about yeah. and you' you'll you'll I'll explain why I say that about right. Sean um, but you also
1: uh, are co-owner of this business yeah tell, tell us what this business is so this is a recording studio uh, hyperbolic audio is a recording studio we uh, we actually work on uh, a wide range of stuff uh, uh, some of our biggest clients are Nickelodeon DreamWorks um, NBC uh, we do looping for uh, for television and film we do uh main dialogue record for animation we do um you know celebrity uh a, a lot of what we do actually lately which is great uh, is um uh celebrity adr adr records for uh tv and film and for somebody who doesn't know what adr <clears throat> is what right. is that it's it's a uh, automatic dialogue recording, uh, and it's <laughs> That's, that explains uh, I, it. I think I think, uh, or maybe it's uh, after dub. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the the actual term um, is lost somewhere in the annals of movie <laughs> history. But um, ultimately, it, it what it comes down to is is when when something is when something is shot. Um, you you may have a couple of uh, lines that don't come across the way you want them to, either uh, by the the acting choice or just the 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 set sound wasn't how you wanted it to be, and so you have the celebrity, you have the the actor come in and and redub that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, in animation, it it has everything to do with just. Recording the line the first time, right? Uh, just right. Re- just recording the line uh, so that it can be animated to, and that but is in, the performance in animation. Exactly, exactly. But um, but when it comes to uh, ADR. Um, that is basically something where, you know, you just haven't gotten across what you wanted to get across or something has to be changed or something has to be fixed. And so you have the person come in, watch the way they said it, listen to the way they said it, and try to recreate (laughs) how they said it. They're basically using their own self as a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's and, a good way and, to put it. Yeah, because yeah. having done it, it is a bizarre oh, thing to do. It's it's really hard, especially when it's just you. Uh, I kind of started off in this business doing Japanese anime. And so the idea of matching flaps, now, granted, with Japanese anime, it's just sort of a it's almost like a puppet. It's like just an open and close, open, and close yeah, type thing. Yeah. And you're matching when it's closed and when it's open with the words that are there. But with when when it's a person, you can see them shaping the word with their mouths. And so at a certain point when you have said those lines in the moment, um, you know, in whatever environment you're filming in, to have to come in and then try to recreate that is really bizarre and such a talent in and of itself. I feel like, you know, it's funny, back in the, back in the days of like when Hollywood got started it's like they would have like people they would do these tests right they would do like uh, audio tests does the person have a voice can Mm -hmm. they can they dance can they sing can they do all these things Yeah, yeah. and they would test these people like just everything so that they knew whatever the situation they put them in they'd be good and that's when they had contract players, and that's when they would, like, you know, weirdly put somebody as, who's not a character actor into a character part because that was just, like, who they had on contract. Right, right. And then, you know, and then they started using real people for real parts. And it became a lot more open and, I think, a lot more real in many respects. Mm-hmm. But, man, there's a lot of trust there. In this yeah. business, there's a lot of trust that, like, people are going to know how to do something. Yeah. You know, it's
0: it's really interesting you said that because and it never really occurred to me until now but you you think of any major theater program, and they put you through the ringer. They right. make you do like whether or not you have ever any interest in doing, let's say, musical theater. They will make sure they'll you have to take a dance class, right. and you have to take a music class, and and, right. and a voice class, and and you you do that, and it's part of the requirements for graduating. Right. And right. I'm if you think about it, that's probably a remnant of the old studio system days where a studio might have a contract with, you know, 50 different actors, and that's the only ones they used, and you're right. They just wanted to make sure if they plug uh, Bill into that role that he can do it, whether it's a singing-dancing
1: role yeah. or an acting role or a voice role or whatever. And it was like a school. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a great documentary out there, and this is kind of a plug for this documentary, but it's also, uh, we worked on the audio for this documentary. It's called Casting By. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it was on HBO. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. It's about Marion Daugherty, incredibly uh, important casting director. Casting directors are amazing people in general. Uh, you know, they're just really, I mean... I don't think they get their due. Yeah, yeah. in a lot of respects. Um, but uh, both commercially and uh, in the movie and TV world. Sure. But... Um, So it's about Marion Doherty and and how she sort of uh, changed uh, or led led the sort of charge, uh, you know, sort of out of the studio system Mm -hmm. and into this idea of hiring people who are the person, you know, uh, luckily for a lot of us, you know, who basically is the... You know, guy who works at the uh, at the news uh, stand or right, whatever. Right, you know, it's like, right. or or at least the types, not the guy, not literally the guy who worked the newsstand. No, but, I mean, but like, it was, you know,
0: it's it is interesting what you're saying because you know if that same mindset was today with the studio system, you might have like Tom Cruise as the janitor yeah, and exactly. Brad Pitt as the guy who works in the cafeteria, right. And Julia Roberts as uh, the old woman. You know, <laughs> right. like did, and and mm.
1: you put the makeup on them or like yeah, oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, I mean, Joel. Gray playing, uh, you know, an Asian guy, oh, you know, right, it's, like, I mean, exactly. yeah, it's yeah. like, it's so like, it's so bizarre. This idea of yeah. like, you know, these, these, these actors who are very talented actors. Obviously. Yeah, that's not the question. It's, but, it's appropriateness for different roles. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's like, you know, she would go out and she'd find these actors who were like going through different, like, you know, uh, techniques and, and, and just really raw in many respects. And, and, putting and saying, hey, you look like the guy who would work at the newsstand, so you'll be the newsstand guy. And it's like, and they looked all of a sudden so real. All of a sudden it blew up because these people looked like they weren't the pretty person who was yeah. being, you know, shoehorned into a role. They right, were like, right. You know. and I guess so, that's
0: that's what gives you something like, you know, Robert De Niro and, yeah. and Pacino in those tough, gritty roles. And that would have been played by, you know, Henry Fonda. And it would be really a
1: stretch. Exactly. And it's like, and not to say that these, you know, I think, I think, you know, ultimately, um, you know, actors, uh, if you're trained in a, in a, in in, in and you have a passion for it. In many respects, you can handle a lot of different roles. Sure, there, there's, sure. There's a lot that you can do, but there's also an aspect of reality that comes that comes through when you hire someone who's a little outside of the norm. Um, and anytime that happens, it's always a, always an interesting thing. Well, it's 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 the it's what gives me hope in my career. Yeah, right. You know? Seriously, I have me to too. I
0: have to be into people like that. Are you kidding? <laughs> right. It's like. Bless them. <laughs> right. Bless them for forging, you know, exactly. blazing
1: the trail for me.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: you know, it, it definitely, and especially now, it feels like, I, I don't know if you felt this, but uh, we I, I was just talking to somebody about this lately. Um, you know, so, so many things feel so celebrity-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously there's very talented celebrities out there. They're, they're celebrities for a reason. Um, but, you know, it almost feels like, uh, 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 another version of that studio system, in, in the essence, that, in the sense that, like, you've got these celebrities who are the trusted sort of like go to. This is how you're going to bring box office in. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the sort of non-union world. And it's like... And so you've got, like, sort of, like, two sides. It's either a celebrity or, like, you know, or we're just going to go completely non-union production and it's like, you know, just whoever off the street. And you're talking... I mean, this is really something that's going on
0: in commercials.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, where... In in a big way.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing people who have had you know, decades-long careers in doing TV and film, now doing roles... I mean, not doing commercials. And and it's not like they're doing commercials as themselves endorsing a product. Because right. that's a whole different con- conversation. Right. But you've got people who are taking, like,
1: actual acting roles in commercials. Seriously. And it's weird. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a bizarre thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really bizarre thing. So so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I, I think... It, there's so much. And and I'm also feeling myself as an actor like going into television more because mm-hmm. I feel like the commercial world has moved into such a, you know, um, either celebrity or sort of like, you know, this like, you know, whoever we can get off the street type situation. Right, right. Um, that like I almost feel like television has more opportunity now all of a sudden, which it, is. it used to be. Commercials had the opportunity, yeah. right? Commercials were the opportunity for you know guys like us to kind of you know go out and just get some work and get some you know have, have some, some income, have yeah. some income, put some food on our plate, right? Uh, right. Pay for the, pay the rent and like you know try to do something else. Try to get of, bigger exactly. roles on TV, and yeah. And, and now it feels like almost TV is where there again uh they're starting to kind of try out people like us yeah, you know yeah. like uh, to to you know fill in some of the smaller parts it is
0: interesting you say that now now okay so i want to get back to that point that you yeah. just talked about great but let's go back mm-hmm. uh so you're in, in in the in Indiana yeah growing up you in grew Indiana. up there um was that, did you move at all or was it all just in one uh, spot?
1: It, uh, Indiana and uh, like the sort of suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Uh, I, I, my family, my, my parents met at Purdue University. So I grew up in mostly Lafayette, Indiana, although I come from like a farming family in central Indiana, oh. Martinsville area. Spent a lot of <clears throat> my childhood on a farm. Was one of those people who like learned how to drive at 12 on a tractor, <laughs> you know, like that weirdly. The, yeah, no, that seems so that's far cool away stuff. in a weird way. But, um, and then. And then, you know, sort of my adolescence was suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I mean, you know, western suburbs of Chicago, like uh, such a great place to sort of grow up because it was kind of metropolitan in that sort of like cool, like sort of like, oh my gosh, what yeah, could yeah. a city be like? Sure. That kind of a thing. Um, and it was so different from the sort of rural upbringing I had had when I was a kid. And, um, you know, uh, it was... It, it, it was it was interesting. I I, I had kind of always felt like I I wanted to go. New York City was something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had as an actor or just. I, just... Whatever. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure what an actor was. I wanted, I just wanted to be Han Solo. Okay. A lot of us did. I know, exactly. Um, And then my mother explained to me what that was. And I was like, okay, then I want to be the guy who plays Han Solo. And I I didn't realize that part was already cast, I guess. (laughs) And uh, little did you know, (laughs) little did I know that uh, J.J. Abrams (laughs) would be coming around looking for a brand new. (laughs) Anyway, go on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, So, uh, so yeah, so, so, um, I at a very young age decided that I wanted to move someplace metropolitan. Initially it was Chicago, um, because I lived so close to there, but Mm -hmm. then like New York became this like draw to me, this, uh, and, and I moved here when I was, I hadn't even turned 19 yet. I was, I was 18 when I moved here and It was, it was a big, it was a big change. That, that, I mean, for, for a rural farm boy. Yeah. (laughs) Even with exposure (laughs) to Chicago. Right. New York is a big deal. Yeah. You know, I, I've been here for, gosh, 24 years now almost. I mean, it's like, you know, we're, we're talking a long time. And, and, um, when I, (laughs) when I first came here, this is before I moved here, but when I first flew in to I think Laguardia. I was looking at the the skyline, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought that New York and Manhattan were two separate cities. <laughs> and so, and so, like you know how there's that like you know sort of financial district, like really high area, and then yeah. there's like the midtown, like you know like uh, World Trade. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Empire State Building sure. area. Yep. And so those two areas we were like the two. Uh, I thought, okay, so which one? I, I think I said to the woman in, in the seat next to me. So which one is Manhattan and which one's New York City? Wow, well, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I will, I will fully admit that growing up on Long Island. I got
0: confused. You know, I didn't know where the heck the Bronx was. I, was like, I didn't know Brooklyn was attached to the actual island that we saying. called Long Island. I was really confused. It's, so, it
1: is confusing. I it mean, is. It's like this, And the full five boroughs thing yeah. is part of the one city, and it's like, it's a tremendous history. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, 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 coming from the Midwest, there's a lot you'd really just I don't realize about New York City. I'm fascinated when people <laughs>
0: come here from anywhere, really. And I've said this to somebody, I I think I may have actually said this to somebody else who uh, I I talked to for this podcast, but, you know, the only comparable thing to me to somebody coming to New York from anywhere else is me going to Tokyo. Yeah, seriously. Because the scope is just huge. Right. I, you know, and, and did you come here to... What What brought you here? What, what was the destination uh, when you got here? Uh, the American
1: Musical and Dramatic Academy. Okay, so that... <laughs> um, yeah. Well, actually, uh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Jeez, oh, wow, this goes way back. And this is actually in the memory banks that I didn't even realize it was there until just a second ago. Uh, this camp called Beginnings... I was um... might have been seventeen at this at this time, and I had auditioned in New in in Chicago for this thing, and it was this camp that had like you know basically Ricky Schroeder had like gone to this camp, and okay. like, gone on to silver spoons and like you know and I think those are the and things look that look at you him s- now, yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> He's <laughs> a hanger on man. He's he he's he's stuck it through. <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys like, in his position. He definitely has. He definitely has. Um uh, you know, uh but like when I was a kid it was like he was like, "Oh my god, like look where he went." And yeah. it was this th- camp called Beginnings and so you you got to go to this thing and it was a full-on camp. It was a full-on sleepaway camp and you went and you like for like a week and a half, two weeks, you you got did monologues, you did stage combat, you did uh, movement, you know all this stuff, and then at the end, it was like literally a showcase on the West Side, like li- like in, in a in a black box for like casting directors. Wow, where, and, where was where was all the camp? ages, all ages? It was in New Jersey somewhere, I think. Um, and and this sounds vaguely familiar, dude. It was it was it was actually a really incredible experience. I'm sure it and was. I'm going to tell you something. There's actually someone who recognized me from that camp when i finally moved here and i was working in the business for years his name is barry shapiro and that guy is yeah i know barry is awesome he is and he recognized me from no that camp he was like sean i think i know you from somewhere did you go to 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 the this beginning camp and i can't remember the guy who ran the camp but i was like oh my god that's amazing. How would amazing. you remember that? And he he remembered. He he absolutely remembered. He is one of those people who just like I mean, again, casting directors, right? It's like That's, they, yeah, exactly. They know what they're doing. It's like they remember people. They know where they met them. They know what they do. They they're good at just like you know, they they trust actors. Mm-hmm. It's like they're just good people. And so it's like you know, years later, he like recognized me from this thing. That's and it was very like cool. This random little showcase that I did. You know, and nothing came of anything from that showcase, but except I did Barry up, Shapiro remembered exactly, you exactly, exactly. And I did come to New York eventually, right, uh, right? You know, it did give me that taste of New York City, where like I, I just had to be here. And so you um, went to uh, the Academy of Dramatic Arts, yeah, uh, the American Musical, Musical Academy, yes, Academy. sorry, yes. I, I get them all. Uh, these, it's okay, almost <laughs> acronyms. A, I know, right? It's uh, AMDA, I AMDA. went to AMDA, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I came here and and basically just kept going. I what? kept going. It's uh, you know, uh, there's something about this business, uh, about about any business, anything that you love. It's like just keep going yeah yeah you know right it's like well, it's like that point where you're like just it. if you just kind of put your head down and keep going yeah
0: things things invariably can happen right. not necessarily guarantee
1: that they will happen no, but but i mean it's like you know at a certain point it's like uh, you you just you if if you if you love something and you and you stick with it it's like I'm not gonna say you're gonna be Tom Cruise or a Tom Hanks right. or anybody else with a fricative plosive name, but gonna, <laughs> you, but but you're gonna work, right, right? Right? It's like I mean, you know, and I think uh, you know, in in some respects, we're both testaments to that. It's like you know, yeah. you 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 work often, right? I mean, you you uh, not, you know, it's funny. I, it's one of those
0: phrases that's always so funny to me, and I'm sure you understand this. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like people are like, you're always working, and I'm like, I'm not working nearly as much as I as want I to be want working. To. <laughs> I want to be working 24 seven if
1: possible. No, yeah. And yeah, then take exactly. like a three month vacation. Sure. You know no, I mean? Or I never have to take a vacation. That that's the amazing thing about this business is that like I mean when you're in it, when you're doing a fifteen hour day or a sixteen hour day yeah. on a film or like you know or a commercial or anything, it's like you just love it. Yeah. No. That none of it feels like work. None of it feels like work. Like and and sometimes you meet those people who like you know aren't going to be in it for very long because like you they'll they'll be on a set and mm-hmm. they'll be like. Guh. We never work. It's like, yeah, what, what are they're, they're, you kidding they're, me? They're, yeah. exactly. they're, they're, they're so, are you insane? They're, they're so upset that they're like, like waiting. And I'm like, you're getting paid to wait. Yeah, they're looking at like... their, you know, they look at their watch like they got somewhere else to be. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Exactly. Come on. It's amazing to me. It's like, that's something where I feel like if you graduated from any or ever even, not even graduated, but ever gone to any kind of film school, you should know that it's mostly waiting. Oh yeah, yeah. It's mostly not acting, and the it's beauty of it's mostly sitting yes. and like you know preparing. Oh, this is what you should be doing either preparing or or getting to know your. Co-star, exactly i mean the people you're acting with right it's yeah like, even from a
0: pure business standpoint you have the opportunity to be networking with so many people
1: right the whole time and and here's here's what i will say and just a caveat to that and i know you didn't mean it this way the opportunity to be to be meeting people who will enrich your life? Yes. And, yes. And you as a person. Because you know it's so funny. It's like I use the word networking too. And then I realized how loaded sometimes that word is. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And and it's like and it bothers me when people use it in that worded way. It's like, "Oh, I'm going to go network with some people." It's like, you know, it's like I feel like you I feel like networking is an important thing, but people have to understand that networking is it's getting to know people. It's getting to know the business. It's getting to know things about the thing that you love, mm-hmm. and and enriching yourself by making new friends or making you know like uh, that's what networking really is about. It's yes. really about, you know, uh, you know, making uh, improving upon yourself and helping people improve upon themselves in a way that like is mutually beneficial to everybody. Yes, and improves the network. Right? Right. It makes the network stronger and it makes well, the I, you know, exactly. It's, it's, it's like, like it's like what,
0: what communities used to be. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know exactly.
1: Villages like, used to kind of do that. Communitizing. That's what we should call we should rename communitizing. it. Communitizing. <laughs> From this point forward, when when you
0: start making connections in the business, think of it as communitizing, communitizing. and exactly. then make sure you send five dollars to Sean Cannon or Sean Alias Reyes.
1: Or or Dave T. Koenig. Or Dave T. Koenig. Oh, Dave T. Koenig. <laughs> I'll I'll give two fifty to Sean. Give actually you know what? Just give five dollars to this podcast so that it can keep going put it in the tip jar (laughs) and
0: yes right all right so so you came and you went to amda and uh somewhere after that you got to start in the business what what got you actually started in getting out there and working and and at least auditioning or how did Um, you how did you want and 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 if we're I'm, i'm thinking the timeline here this was when you finished at AMDA was what year? 92? 92. I mean, which was
1: which was a different world. A completely different world. And I didn't work in this business in any real capacity, I feel. Uh-huh. I feel. I mean, everything you do that is acting in, in general, whether it's like children's theater, which I did for a long time. Um, I worked at the Jekyll and Hyde Club for many, many years, it's still going. It's here in Times Square. There's mm-hmm. a lot of actors who go there now and, and, and get their first start. A ton in, of people Jackal go. High yeah, Club. yeah. Um, you know, it's like, or whether it's stand-up or whatever it is, it's like, you know, I feel like when I got, a, my start in this business is when I started working as a voiceover actor. Mm-hmm. When I started making, I, I think I think we can all say, when I started making the bulk of my income, right, as an actor, right, and I stopped choosing other things to make my income, right, yeah, ultimately, yes, and, and I and I think it's a huge step, and I think however that happens is is an incredible time, but I th- I think that for me that didn't happen until like I want to say two thousand five, you know, like two thousand four, two thousand five, and and I was working, I was doing children's theater, uh, like I said, I was working at the Jekyll and Hyde Club, I was doing these like little things here and there that were. Um, Getting me networked, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, me, you were you people. were laying the foundation for what would be your career. But you didn't necessarily
0: feel like, OK, this is viably what I can call exactly my profession.
1: And I think in some ways I was also floundering in some respects that because it's like, I, you know, I am one of those people who like I enjoy so much about this business and wish I could do so much in this business. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I I used, I used to be a dancer. I used to, I used to dance. I used to sing. What, what kind of, what kind of, Years what kind of dancing? Ago. Well, I mean, I grew up uh, in in the Midwest. I was, I was at a, at a at a dance studio. I took ballet. I took tap. Really? I took jazz. I took all that, and you know, uh, I came to New York to do musical theater. Okay. Ultimately, that was your uh, goal. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah. Ultimately, that was my goal. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I I fell in love with acting uh, because of movies. But then when I saw a few musicals, I fell in love with, with musicals. Do you remember the first stage. one that, that, that you saw that you're like, that's Gosh. the thing right there? Oh, wow. You know, um, I I think I saw Big River in Chicago oh, okay. uh, at a production. Uh, we went with my school, and it was a production of Big River at a really good... Um, uh, like a regional theater mm-hmm. in Chicago yeah, and yeah. it was so inspiring it's so amazing I think it was like in the round I want to say it was like you know one of those theaters where you like around the entire production right Right. Um, and they were just so good I, you know it, it, it's so funny um, theater can be so inspiring to a young to, to a young artist mm-hmm. and a young actor uh, and and it's it's something that like uh, I think I think people, you know, obviously it's very entertaining, and obviously what I love about theater and and television and film and 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 this medium in general is just how much it can, you know, teach people something about themselves or teach people something about the world or or or, or that kind of a thing and sure. give them an experience that's entertaining and fun. Mm-hmm. But when someone is like experiencing it and, and feeling like, oh my God, I want to tell this story. I want to be part of this story. I want to share this story with the world. Mm-hmm. That is such an amazing thing to me. It's pretty like powerful. Watching a young person experience theater and just be so attached to it and yeah. so like into it. Um is is an incredible thing. And I and you know it's it goes way, way beyond being entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes way beyond being. Yeah, I like, remember times. You know, I remember definitely. I mean, for me, I think when I was in school, and
0: and again, I grew up on Long Island, and so we were coming into the city. You know, yeah. I was seeing Broadway shows when we took trips from school. Oh, and my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but we, I mean, uh, the 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 theater program at my school exposed me to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they exposed me to was uh, Chicago City Limits, which is uh, yeah. short form improv, and that was yeah. like. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh god. And it's just like those moments where like so when you're young and you have something that you see that just whether it's uh theater or or sports or or uh something, you know, science or math, whatever it is, whatever this like lights you up like that, there's like I think you search the rest of your life wanting that same kind of thing to, to hit you like that.
1: Yeah, no. It it, it is it is it, it's it's so important. And so much education. I mean, you have kids, right? Yeah, and and yeah. I mean, I know you have kids. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you have kids, right? Like I'm talking to an audience. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so let me share with the audience that David has kids. Yes, I have. Uh, uh, I have kids I, as well. Yes, <laughs> um, but you know, uh, so much education is is so centered around, um, you know, uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. And teaching is absolutely an important thing, but it's like teaching uh, has become this regulated, regimented thing. And I think there should be standards for everything. I think there should absolutely be, like, you know, stand uh, uh, at least a baseline standard for, for everything. Right? right, right. But so much of it is fear-based about, like, you know, people losing their jobs or, like, you know, all this stuff that I feel like so much of it, it doesn't allow for people to discover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it should be about right yeah i think like, i think yeah i know i know exactly what you are saying it's discovery right life is a discovery life is the like oh my god that thing is amazing i want to know more about that right And, like, I wouldn't have known about that if I was sitting, you know, writing this sentence a hundred times so that I did it correctly. Yeah. Or so the information was etched in my brain I think
0: teachers call that, like, teaching to the test rather than, like, teaching to educate or teaching to inspire or or enlighten.
1: Right. Right. And I think so many teachers are, like, want to enlighten or want to inspire. And that's why they become teachers. And then they're told, like, in the moment... This is what you have to yeah, do. Yeah, it's a rough gig. It, it <laughs> really is.
0: I mean, gig. it's, it's, I, I feel for them and, and I wish we had a better system for it because, you know, it, it what's more important than, than being educated? What's more right. important than learning, especially when you're young is, you know, and my, thankfully, so far, you know, my kids, my kids are a little bit younger than yours are, um, at least in environments where they are learning the stuff they need to learn and they're having fun and they're enjoying That's it awesome. and they're, and they're hungry for more. And I and I just, you know, I, you hear horror stories about when they get to a, an older uh, grade level and, and they're in high school or junior high or whatever. And it's like, it's not about learning anymore.
1: I I think almost that might be a uh like New Jersey New York divide because uh, my kids are already cynical about school. Oh, are they really? I mean like it is all we can do my wife and I to kind of like get them to be inspired about like you know discovering something or finding something. For the most part, uh school is a slog. Of, Interesting. Like uh, I mean, you know, these tests my god. Well, first of all, my daughter is going into middle school and she had to have um some schools ask for portfolios. What? There will be... Well, you're in New York City there, schools, I, no, Exactly. So. That's what I'm saying. And wow. so, like, there's interviews, portfolios, and... I mean, it's just... And I'm like... So, so I'm seeing, like, the... I'm trying to see the silver lining as much as I can. Like, there's part of me that's going, okay, um... At least my daughter, when she applies for a college, will have been through this twice already. Yeah. You know? I can't even imagine that. I mean, I, I could not community? even fathom the idea. Telling an, a, a 10, turning 11-year-old child, okay, so what have you done uh, over the past few years? Yeah, uh, yeah. Show me your portfolio. Yeah, like,
0: where, where do you see yourself in five years? I see myself being 15 right, and exactly. still not ready for this
1: question. <laughs> right, exactly. What is wrong with people? It's unbelievable. And uh, and so, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot, oh, man... There's so much. And I feel like I got, I had, and I feel like, you know, I had such a great opportunity as a kid to just kind of figure things out. And yeah. I, I figured things out very young as I think a lot of actors do. I think a lot of actors, I think that's a, yeah, there's a common are, thread there. Yeah. 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 I think pretty young you, you, you discover that like you want to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That, 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 that you're inspired to change or be someone, uh, either either different or or or, ch- or improve who you are in a way, because you learned something from something you watched. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and so I think it. I think that a lot of actors get that very young. And so I was very lucky to kind of get that. I feel feel very lucky um, to have gotten that at a really young age, but had the opportunity to discover it at a really young age. And I feel like right now, like, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm battling two things. And that's one, getting my kids to, you know, do well on these tests, these state standardized tests, but also like, as much as we're like fighting about like how much there should be, you know how much homework needs to get done each night, and how much we need to be studying for the test, and how much we have to be doing all this, also just trying to get them outside and just be like, look at that yeah, sky, yeah, yeah, look at that, you know, like look at that sunset, look at this, listen to that. It's it, isn't life amazing? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it, it's a struggle. It's it's it's, so it's, hard. it's it's
0: a challenge. But it's I, I think that's part of what we. Either intentionally or unintentionally signed up for, right. and it's 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 what we're it's what we're challenged to do yeah. on, on a regular
1: basis. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, I, I didn't expect us to go into a, a think about education. I go off on tangents, but that's,
1: but that's beautiful. I'm going mean, to tell that's... you this right now. <laughs> 45 minutes in, I go off on tangents. So if this ends up being four and a half hours, yeah, I think
0: I, you know. I, as we're talking there, I'm thinking to myself, this is my first two parter. You know, okay. I think we've already gone into guaranteed for a two-parter with Sean Kennen, Jesus oh which God. is fine. You know, I was like, I'm excited. I'm actually, I'm actually jazzed because we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna keep talking and, and but we're keep gonna keep
1: listening because we hear cancer at the end.
0: I think that's a very good incentive for like getting people to listen to part two. (laughs) next week. Exactly. All right. So so for now, we're we're just going to we're going to end on this uh, education discussion. And then next week, we'll pick it up with you coming out of AMDA and working in children's theater. (laughs) Right. Well, there you go. Part one of my interview with Sean Cannon. Good guy. And we will have part two next week where we will get into his more recent work like working with Smurfs and uh, something he's got coming up in the fall on Fox. That's a little bit of a teaser for you in, in, in two ways, actually. In the meantime, you can read up on Sean at seankennon.com, S-E-A-N-K-E-N-I-N.com. Uh, learn more about Hyperbolic Audio at HyperbolicAudio.com. And uh, find Sean on Twitter at SeanKennin. That about does it for another week of Bring Your Own Lunch. Glad you can join us. Thank you so much. Uh, Don't forget about Banuba.net. Go look for them. Find out where they will be and find out uh, how you can download their music and and be part of the Banuba experience. The New York Short Film Shootout coming up August 25th, Monday night at 8 p.m. That's uh, coming up real soon. Get your film in. Find out how to do so at nysfso.com. And uh, this theater, thistheater.com, you can go check out uh, all the information about the theater where the New York short film shootout will take place. And uh, one more plug there for the Handsome Genius Club, handsomegeniusclub.com, hosted by Anthony Rutgazer. Uh, that'll be coming back uh, probably now already or, or at some point in the very, very near future, so go check that out. As for us, don't forget to find us uh, on uh, Facebook. Just look for Bring Your Own Lunch. You can follow us on Twitter at BYOL Podcast. And of course, if you want to send us any kind of email or anything like that, you can find out all that information at bringyourownlunch.com. Don't forget to stay tuned for uh, the Jimmy Jack Cow Punch Hour, followed by Mansoor and the Fish. And until next week and probably sometime thereafter, this is Dave. I will see you next Tuesday.